Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Good you morning. Got, yeah, you can respond. It's okay. I'm glad that you guys are, for those of you who are here in the house, thank you for being here. For those of you who are online, thank you guys. And for the ones who are out on the patio, it's a beautiful day to be out on the patio. Thank you guys for joining in. Uh, for those of you I don't know, I'm Todd, I'm the lead pastor. And today, you're going to have the privilege from hearing from our next generation pastor, Justin Boyder. Why don't you give it up for Justin this morning? Thank you, thank you. We, uh, Justin, we're continuing in our series called uh, The DNA of a Transformational Church. And I really sensed uh, some time ago that God was leading us to a place to really, really get some roots in terms of our values as a church, but also uh, really accomplishing what we believe to be God's vision for our church. And so over uh, really a year-long period of time, we worked on and prayed through the seven words that you saw when you came in today, the seven words that you'll see if you're in the community center. And there, these are seven words that really define who we are and who we want to become as a church. And last week, you heard one of those words, which is entrusting the gospel to the next generation. And you heard from myself and from Ben, who is our kids pastor. Uh, man, he did such a great job. I love what they're doing back in Island Kids and Ignite. They're doing an amazing thing back there. But today, you're going to hear kind of part two of that message, talking about entrusting the gospel to the next generation. And you're going to hear from Justin. But before you hear from him, I, I, want, to, I want you guys to get to know him. He's been with us for, for four years. You're into your fourth year, all right? Right? It's Which been is a really while. amazing. It's been a little while, yeah. yeah. And I'll talk about that in a second. But um, Justin, why are you here? I asked Ben the same question. Why are you here today? Like, how did you get to the point, a guy with an accounting degree from the University of Tennessee? How did you? There's that a few was, fans out there. That's a little surprising to me right now. Well, to be after honest last with you. As night, a Georgia we're, guy, we're all in hiding. We can talk I think. later. <laughs> so. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do it, but uh, anyway, it's all right. So uh, anyway, I'll be kind. Uh, so uh, how did you uh, feel this call to be here today and to pour yourself into the next generation, all the way from really, you know, uh, you know, sixth grade on up into singles? Why are you here? Why did God call you? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think for me, it really goes back to kind of my story of how I came to Jesus in the first place, and that that was really the season for me of, as a high school student, college, right around that time frame in my life where God got a hold of me. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian house, you know, or with a believing family going to church all the time, and so it was really right around high school when I started to get connected to the church, going with some friends to a youth group and things like that. And then I actually met uh, my now wife, Andrea, uh, and I joke that this is the uh, flirt to convert evangelism strategy, where uh, I liked her, and she liked Jesus, and he so... He said, flirt to convert. Hey, it if worked. If you didn't hear that, he said, flirt to it's convert. A, it's a thing. It's so a thing. when the pretty girl likes Jesus, there's a little bit of reason to kind of see what that's about. And so... I wanted to date her, and so kind of through that, it sparked me kind of going on this faith journey myself, doing some exploration. And so I actually had a season where I was spending a lot of time in Barnes & Noble, actually, mooching off of their books. Back in the day, they used to have, you know, couches and chairs around so that you could go sit and read. And they got rid of that because they didn't want people reading the books for free. I think that was because of me. It's because of you. Yeah. So I, <laughs> They I, called. They have a bill for you, by the uh, way. <laughs> Hopefully not. But uh, I, spent a, I spent a season really there exploring a lot of questions that I had because, you know, even though I was kind of involved with church at that point through youth group and stuff, 
I really didn't have a relationship with God. It, you know, I was going to church for the fun aspect of what they offered with the youth program, but I didn't know God. I had a lot of questions about the Bible and things like that. And so that season was really where I started to explore my faith. And God was faithful to show up time and time again with the questions that I had to provide an answer. And so that was really the season where God showed up in my life and where I came to faith. And uh, I actually ended up getting baptized my freshman year uh, at UT. And so that was just the pivotal season of my life. And uh, right after that, the college ministry that I was involved with um, really did a great job, I think, ingraining in me the importance of making disciples to being a disciple. And so for me, that just kind of naturally expressed itself in, in looking at the season in my life where God got a hold of me and wanting to to really be somebody, to be a resource for other students exploring those same questions and the same kind of things. And so that's kind of ultimately what God used to lead me on the path to where I am now. I, I love that. You're wanting to pass down this legacy to the next generation, and I love that. It's something that was, uh, you know, just ingrained in you and also that God got a hold of you at this age. I, I absolutely love it. Now, what you're going to be talking about today, you're going to be casting vision because if I'm going to entrust, if we are going to entrust the gospel to the next generation, I think I should entrust the guy who's leading the next generation with today's message. And man, I'm so excited about that. But tell us what the action step is from last week and this week for those who are listening, who are watching, who may maybe God stirs in their heart and wants to be a part. What's happening tonight that they can take action on? So you got to hear a little bit about it just a moment ago, but tonight we have the Next Gen Ministry Volunteer Orientation Meeting, which is going on in the community center from five to seven. And really all that it is, is it's just an opportunity to go one little step further and hear a little bit more about the practical ways that we have to serve with the next generation, whether it is with Island Kids on Sundays or HHI students and our middle schoolers and high schoolers. We're going to talk about a lot of those kind of things about how you can serve, um, really regardless of what kind of availability you have. Um, we've got all kinds of ways that you can jump in at different commitment levels. Um, and so we're going to talk about some of those. You're going to have an opportunity to talk a little bit with current leaders in both areas and ask them what their experience has been like. And, and so, like I said, it really is just that opportunity to hear more. It doesn't commit you to anything. It's not like if you show up, we're going to, you know, shackle you into serving back there on Sunday mornings for the next five years or anything like that. It's just an opportunity to learn more and to see how God might lead you. Um, and if there is an opportunity for you to get in to serve, and I, I really hope uh, that after I share today, you might be challenged to show up and be there tonight. Absolutely. And I want to encourage you, if God is talking to you today and uh, you want to respond in some way, I want to encourage you to be a part of tonight. It's going to be a behind the scenes look. God is doing some really cool things. And man, he's uh, put together an amazing team. Josh and Amanda, welcome to the team. We're so glad to have you guys. Um, and God has put together, hey, absolutely, give it up for Josh and Amanda and, uh, and their boys, Asher and Brooks. And God brought, uh, uh, you know, has recently, more recently brought Ben and Missy and uh, their family and, uh, of course, Matt and Liz, and we've got a whole bunch of other support staff, but God brought Justin and Andrea here back in 2018, June 1st, 2018, and so if you do the math there, he's already done it because he's an accounting major. I was terrible at math, so I had to plan this out beforehand. He's been here for over four years. He's into his fourth year now, right? Um, and to tell you how unusual that is, most student pastors, which is what he is essentially, in addition to a few other things, they, they usually stay at a church for about 18 months. 
And so, man, I am so glad to have you and Andrea here. And the longevity and consistency that you guys have provided is great. Absolutely give it up for that to Justin because he is he and Andrea are doing an amazing job. We're so thankful. And also, um, we also have increased his responsibilities. And he and Cynthia are kind of the executive team along with me right now, helping me and guiding me. And uh, that's a new role for him. So it's almost like an associate pastor. So I'm very thankful for that and very proud of Justin and thankful for him. So I want to pray for him and over him and over our students before you hear from him this morning. So would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Father, I thank you so much for Justin and for Andrea. God, I thank you for Blakely and Ryan and Jason. God, I thank you for their family. I thank you for his story that he just shared a little bit about. God, I thank you so much for leading him to us. And God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with our students, God, our families. Father, I pray that you would be with our church, God, that we would hear today the importance, the important aspect. How incredibly vital it is that we understand and not just be concerned about the next generation, but take action for the next generation. And God, I pray that uh, his words today would be yours. Father, I pray that we would hear from you. God, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us. And I pray a prayer of protection over Justin and his home and our students. God, these are very difficult times, and I thank you that we've got a guy that is leading so consistently. And God, we just want to listen to you now. May you lead us and guide us. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks, Justin. Amen. Todd, thanks for that, brother. I appreciate it. Well, I am uh, excited to continue our conversation this morning about what it looks like to be an entrusting church. This is something, you know, obviously like I just shared that I'm passionate about about in my prayer this morning is that all of us would start to understand a little bit more about just how important being an entrusting church is and that we'd all become a little bit more passionate about it. And so I'm thankful that Ben and Todd kind of kick-started this conversation last week and that you all had a chance to hear from Ben a little bit about what this has looked like in his own life, what it looks like for him now, especially in Island Kids. Uh, but one of the things that Todd and Ben talked about last week is that In order to be an entrusting church, we have to first introduce the gospel to the next generation. If we want to entrust the gospel to the next generation, we've got to introduce the gospel to the next generation. And that's some of the amazing work that they're doing back there in Island Kids and that we're doing in HHI students. But usually when we talk about introducing the gospel to somebody, we usually use a different E word than entrusting, right? We usually talk about evangelism or evangelizing. And evangelism is a great word. It captures the idea, right? It means to be sharing the message of Jesus. But if you've been around church long enough, you probably know that when we talk about evangelism, usually there's another word that kind of goes along with it that you'll hear pretty closely tied with it. You've got evangelism and discipleship. And we talk about those two things a lot in the church, and rightfully so, because they kind of go together to make up what we call the Great Commission, Right? It's, it's kind of Jesus' final command to his disciples on earth before he ascended into heaven, where he says the most famous examples in Matthew 28, and he says, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And that great commission is, is central to the mission of the church. It's why our mission here at HHICC is what it is. It's to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. 
Because you've got to passionately share the message of Jesus, evangelism, and to lead people to follow him, discipleship. They're two sides of the same coin that make up the mission of the church. And not just our church, but like the church, the big church, right? That is our mission. And that's what entrusting is. That's what we're talking about this morning, that when we're talking about entrusting, we're talking about the mission of the church to spread God's name and his fame and to evangelize and to make disciples. It's a critical value to the church. It's not just some week where we're talking about what happens in kids and students' ministries. Entrusting the gospel is the mission of the church. It's why I kind of how Todd said last week that of our values and of these seven words that we're exploring as the DNA of our church, that in a lot of ways, entrusting is probably the most internal or eternally impactful of our values because it's critical. It's central to our mission. And I love that we're using this word entrusting to capture that and what we want our church to be about. Because entrusting is language that's taken from Scripture. Uh, particularly, I would say, I mean, you can find it in several places, but I think about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul commands Timothy to entrust what he's heard to other faithful men. But if you look throughout the New Testament, you can find this language of entrusting the gospel in a number of spots. And this idea is so rich and so good for what we're called to because it captures that idea of evangelism and discipleship, but in a lot better way. You see, I don't, I don't know how it hits you, but evangelism and discipleship to me are very churchy words. It's not like we hear about those, you know, kind of in our day-to-day lives quite as much. Those are, those are church words, and they come with a bit of a connotation or some baggage to them. You know, when I think about evangelism and discipleship, kind of the things after you know, 10 to 15 years or so of being in church world that pop into my head or uh, discipleship programs or a discipleship 101 class or somebody drawing a diagram on a napkin to help me understand, you know, what they're talking about. And those things are not bad, but I think what has tended to happen is that we tend to focus on the information, the knowledge, the communication side of all of this. And the reality is, is that there's a much bigger picture in play. You know, certainly I'm not saying that those things are bad because Jesus does say, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey. And so knowledge and teaching and instruction are certainly a part of this, but they're only one aspect of what we are called to do. And I think entrusting captures it a little more. That this idea of passing on the gospel, advancing the kingdom, connecting people within, or connecting people to relationship with Jesus. It's more than just telling somebody some information or evangelizing or teaching. And entrusting captures the richness and the fullness of it so well. It's more intimate and personal. Because the simple way that I would define entrusting is this. Is that entrusting is communicating with care. It's communicating with care. I think all of us kind of pick up on when we use a word like entrusting, there is inherently a sense of the preciousness or the importance of what we're talking about. You don't just flippantly give something away that's precious or important to you. You entrust it to somebody. And that's what we're called to do with entrusting. It's not just to tell somebody to teach, to evangelize. We're called to entrust. 
the content with care. We're called to speak truth with love. It holds together the great commission and the great commandment. And if you need a refresher, the great commandment, right, is Jesus' command to love, to love God and to love others. And we're meant to hold those two things together, not to separate them. That the way we are called to spread God's kingdom and to tell people about Jesus is meant to be an act of love, that they go together. And I think, unfortunately, kind of in our tribe of churches or the American Western church, we've tended to kind of emphasize the Great Commission a little bit more. I mean, we talk about love and the importance of it in church a lot, but when we think about our mission as a church, most of the time we think about the Great Commission. And that's not exactly wrong, but when we focus on one side a little too, uh, too much, we get skewed. And I think that we have focused so much on the communication of the gospel, of information, that it it's kind of skewed us in a way that, that leads to some negative consequences. And I think there's some reasons for that, that, you know, the fact of the matter is, it's that information is more marketable. That it's easier to, to sell sermons and to put good communicators up on stage and to focus on the content that's being communicated. And it's easier to, to quantify, you know, how many podcasts have been listened to or how many times your sermons have been downloaded or how many people are attending your church. And it's a lot harder to quantify how well you're loving. It's a lot harder to quantify how deep a relationship is. And so we tend to focus on the things that we can sell and that we can market and that we can track. And I think, unfortunately, because of that, we see that the church and ministry has really kind of become professionalized. And what happens is this call, this mission that we all have to entrust the gospel to the next generation, we start to see it more. That's the job of pastors, preachers, or you know, at least somebody that's more theologically knowledgeable than I am. And we start to forget or we miss that the Great Commission and the Great Commandment are for every single one of us. That if we follow Jesus, we have been given that mission. And so I think it's possible this morning, as I kind of invite you in to consider serving in kids and student ministry and to entrust the gospel, that you've been invited before. But maybe, maybe you sat out because you're intimidated to participate. That you don't feel like you're the person that's mature enough spiritually, that you know enough about the Bible that you've got the communication skills to do that well. And so it's led you to sit out and to leave that and to hope that somebody else that maybe is a little better at that is going to step in and to do that job. And I, I hope that when we start to understand this morning that what we're called to is entrusting the gospel and what that really means, that we'll see that it's something for all of us, that all of us can do, and that entrusting is full and it's rich, and it's personal, and it's not just about being a good communicator or answering questions or, you know, being wise and, and giving the right content. In fact, when it comes to entrusting, we don't have to know the answers to every question. What we need is to know Christ and to care. All we have to do to entrust the gospel is to know Jesus and to care.
Paul says it like this in his first letter to the Corinthians that I want you to see. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And it says this, it says, or Paul says this, he says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message, uh, excuse me, my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, entrusting is not about fancy speech or having the right words to say or being able to answer every question. Entrusting involves more than the communication of information. There's more involved with it, and in a crazy way that only God can orchestrate, it's actually simpler because of that. Here's what I mean by that. You guys have probably heard the phrase addition by subtraction in some different contexts. Well, this is kind of like subtraction by addition. Because in this weird way, I think when we start to see the fullness of what God calls us to, when you broaden the scope of understanding what it means to entrust the gospel beyond just telling somebody or evangelizing or answering questions, kind of things like that. And when you really start to understand how God calls us to step in and to love people, it takes the focus off of that technical, scary part, the communication. And it allows you to focus on more of what's involved, the loving and the caring. And I think that's something that all of us are capable of doing. We don't have to just be able to answer the questions or to communicate or know the fancy words. What we need to know is Jesus. We need to know Jesus and the gospel, that we're saved by grace through faith because of his death and his resurrection. And that's pretty much the prerequisite for entrusting the gospel. We don't have to have all the theology down or be a Sunday school master. We need to know Jesus and we need to know the gospel. And at that point, God commissions us to entrust the gospel to others. He calls us to step in to his mission. You know, when I was a freshman in college, uh, somehow I ended up leading a Bible study of some other freshman guys. I'm really not sure how this played out, how I ended up as the leader of this group, because as I mentioned a little bit earlier as part of my story, I was baptized my freshman year of college. So I was about as fresh as could be as a new believer Uh, But the college ministry that I had kind of gotten connected with was looking for students to lead other student groups. And so somehow or another, I was crazy enough to jump in there and ended up as the leader of one of these groups. And I, it's been a little while, but I still remember that two of the topics that we covered during that semester were, what does the Bible say about ghosts? And should Christians believe in aliens? And so I don't think this is a shocker, but this was not the most amazing Bible study that anybody was ever a part of. I'm pretty sure most of my material came off a website called gotquestions.org, and that's what I shared. And it was messy, and I probably said some things that I would not say now anymore. But I'll tell you what happened. As crazy as the topics that we talked about, which by the way, I'm pretty sure they voted on that. I don't think I picked that. I'm blaming the, the rest of the group. But uh As crazy as those topics were, for a semester, a group of freshman college guys grew a little closer to God, and we grew a little closer to each other, and we figured some things out, and as messy as it was, and as much as I messed stuff up and didn't say things right, 
God worked in me because I knew Jesus and I knew that I needed to share him. And through that, God drew us closer together and closer to him. And that's what it's about. It's not about just getting the information right. It's about sharing life together, being together, being drawn into relationship with our Heavenly Father. You see, because in trusting, it's a transfer of relationship, not information. Entrusting is a transfer of relationship, not information. It's partnering with the Holy Spirit for the spiritual growth of somebody else. And it's not the spiritual growth in the sense of the growth of their knowledge or their wisdom or their, you know, Bible knowledge kind of stuff. It's the growth of their relationship with their Heavenly Father, with Jesus. That is what God calls us into, growing together, showing Jesus to one another, sharing our lives together with one another. And Paul describes his own experience of this with the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 2 through 8. It's a little bit longer of a passage, but I want you to track with me here. Paul says, We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. As you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. I want you to key in on this. So, Being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul says we weren't here just to share the gospel with you. We weren't here just to share information with you. We were here to invite you into relationship with us and with God And to share our very selves, our lives with you. To do life alongside of you. And that's what entrusting is about. It's a transfer of relationship. It's a matter of doing life together and inviting people in to relationship with the Heavenly Father. Entrusting is more than just telling and talking. It's sharing our lives with one another. It's inviting middle schoolers and high schoolers or elementary kids into your lives and letting them ask you questions and sometimes giving them answers and sometimes letting them know that you've got questions too. It's it's showing up at youth group and playing a goofy game with some middle school boys that are going to tell you crazy ideas and ask you silly questions. It's being a part of their lives. It's putting yourself in a position to spend time with someone who's a step behind you in their faith journey and helping them walk forward into more of a relationship with God. You know, the old cliche that says people don't care what you know until they know what you care is true. We get so worried about what we know and are we going to say the right thing, but at the end of the day, where we need to start is caring. God says jump in and care Just start there. 
love on some kids and some students, and you don't have to know everything to entrust the gospel to them. You just need to know Jesus. That if you know Jesus, you're commissioned and called to love other people. Here's what's amazing about this, though. That as much as we worry about do we know the right stuff, are we going to be able to answer the questions that they have, are we going to be a good communicator, or whatever it might be, that when we jump in, that when we overcome that fear and we step out in obedience to follow God and to entrust the gospel to the next generation, we learn as we go. That God steps in and starts to fill those needs and equip us with those skills that we're worried about lacking. There's a, a Latin principle or proverb. It's a docendo discimus. In Latin, it says, by teaching we learn, but it's a little easier to say we learn by teaching. And it's this idea that one of the best ways to learn something is to teach it. That when we teach something, we're forced to understand it. We've got to break it down and think it through. We have to immerse ourselves in it to be able to articulate it to somebody else. And that in that process, we naturally become better students ourselves, and we learn it. And that is true for almost any subject in life. But it's also true for Jesus and the gospel. That as we step out and we start to entrust the gospel to someone else, it might be messy at first, it might be messy for a long time. It might be messy your whole life. But as you do it, God steps in and Jesus starts to get a little deeper in our head and our hearts. And he equips us with the skills that we need. And we find that when we jump in, we grow closer to Jesus. We grow closer to his mission because let me tell you, Jesus is on mission. Jesus is not sitting still. He is at work right now with the next generation. He's at work here on our island and in our country and in the world. And he calls us to be on mission with him, to jump in. He's already entrusted the gospel to us, and now he calls us to be those who entrust the gospel to somebody else, to be connected with him and to be following him. If we really are connected and following him, we're going to be doing what he's doing because that's where he is. He's on the ground with the next generation, working on entrusting the gospel even now, and it's what he calls us to be too. You know, a good example is like a pipe or a vine. Obviously, the vine is a metaphor taken right from Scripture itself, that it's this idea that we are meant to receive and give. That water flows in a pipe, and it has to flow out, right? Nutrients come into the vine, and fruit comes out. And in the same way, we're called to be connected to Jesus and that out of that, there would be an overflow that comes out of us to others. That as we're connected to God's love and his wisdom, that that would naturally bubble over and pour out on others. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be a conduit with this constant in and out as disciples who make disciples, who receive life and goodness and truth from God. And that pour it out and share it and entrust it to others. That's what abundant life looks like. That's what being a part of advancing the kingdom of God and entrusting the gospel to the next generation looks like. We can't fully be disciples. We can't fully be in relationship with God with the kind of intimacy that he desires for us unless we're doing the work that he's doing. Because that's where he's at. That's where his heart is. And it's what he invites us into 
as well. To be a part of his story and his mission of entrusting the gospel. And in that, he provides the wisdom and the strength and the energy and the things that we worry that we lack. And he shows up and he equips us to do it. And Paul talks about this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29, about what this looks like in his own life. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Now, I know that that verse feels a little all over the place. It's kind of hard to track with, but don't miss what Paul basically said is that I have been suffering, I've been persecuted, but in all of it, I've been called to proclaim the gospel and I can do that because Christ is in me and he gives the energy, he gives the strength, he gives the wisdom. And we don't have it as hard as Paul did. I don't think most of us are gonna get shipwrecked or persecuted or anything like that. But I can tell you that the same truths apply to you. That we are called in the same way to entrust the gospel to others. And we're promised the same gifting of Christ in us. The same energy, the same wisdom, the same outworking of God's spirit in our lives. And so God's calling us to do the same work. To be a part of the same mission. Every single one of us, if we know Christ. We are called to step out in obedience and to entrust the gospel. And look, if I'm being honest, it doesn't have to be with kids and students. That's kind of our emphasis and what we're focused on. But the reality is, is that entrusting the gospel to other adults is just as important. And there are a number of you that are here that are faithfully serving as adult group leaders. And that is every bit as important and just as much of an expression of entrusting the gospel But last week, we looked at a statistic that said that 66% of Christians put their faith in Jesus before the age of 18. Two-thirds of people became Christians as a kid or a student. And I think it makes sense to put a little extra emphasis on that demographic if that's true. That if 66% of people who are coming to faith or in that age group, maybe 66% of us ought to be focused on serving those age groups, on entrusting the gospel to our kids and to our students and pointing them towards Christ, inviting them in to relationship with the God of the universe. And I got to be brutally honest, we're not at 66%. I think we're more at like 6%. And that's okay. That's where we're at right now. And to be honest with you, 66% of you serving is not actually the goal. But uh, we do need more of you. We need people willing to step up and to serve the next generation and to be a part of entrusting the gospel. 
We need people that are willing to spend two hours here on a Sunday morning so that they can spend one of the services in a room with preschoolers or elementary schoolers, back in island kids, teaching them about the gospel and sharing Bible stories and hearing what's going on in their houses and with their families. We need women that will be here on Wednesday nights to sit in a circle with a group of high school girls and to look them in the eye and to tell them who they are in Christ. We need men that are willing to be here and to play the goofy games with middle school guys and to put up with their crazy ideas and questions and to tell them what it looks like in their own life to follow Jesus and to be a man of God in our culture. We need adults and people that are a little further down the line willing to step in to entrust the gospel, to do check-in and set up and clean up, and chaperone trips, and stand at the entrance, and smile, and greet them when they show up, hopefully not creepily, but just to be a part, and to do the kind of things that it takes to create a place, and a people for our kids, and our students, and I want you to imagine with me for a little bit what it might look like if we did that, what it might look like if you jumped in to help. And trust the gospel to the next generation. Because there are a huge number of kids and students right here on our island. You know, based on 2020 census data, Hilton Head has more than 5,000 kids and students under 18. Now, Andrew and I moved here from downtown Dallas. And so there are some times where the island feels like a pretty small town. But let me tell you, 5,000 kids and students that need to know Jesus, it's plenty of work for us to do. There is an enormous need for Jesus right here on the island. And I want you to hear this too, because this is pretty amazing. According to the island packet, in the last six years, Hilton Head Island Elementary and the middle school have become majority non-white student bodies. And it's projected this year, they don't have data for it yet, but it's projected that that was going to be true for the high school this year as well. And so right here on our island, we have this amazing, diverse group of students and kids that need to know Jesus, and where this church is one of the best opportunities for them to hear about him. You know, right now on the island, there are about 30 churches or so, and I know of four of them. I did three for a second. I know of four of them that have somebody who's exclusively focused on student ministry on their staff. You know, there, there are some other churches that have kids pastors or family ministries or things like that, but there are four actual student-specific pastors on the island that I know of. And actually, there's only one because of those four churches right now, three of those positions are vacant. And so the one is me at the moment. COVID has wreaked some havoc on, on our our industry, so to speak. We know that there's been turnover in all kinds of job areas, but that's been true in youth ministry on the island too. And so there is a need on our island for people willing to step up and to care about the next generation and to entrust the gospel to them. And so our heart and our prayer should be that God would raise up workers for the harvest here and at our other churches on the island for our brothers and sisters and our other students and kids on the island at other churches. There is an incredible opportunity to reach the next generation here. And so I want you to imagine what it would look like if we did that. 
if we committed to entrusting the gospel and to stepping out in obedience. And I want you to imagine what it would look like if you were a part of that. You know, to be honest with you, we could be another church of mostly retirees, or we could be a church passionate about the next generation where kids and students and families are invited in to hear the gospel and where kids and students are excited to be here on a Sunday or a Wednesday because they show up and they meet people and they talk to people that they just know there's something about this that feels better. I know when I show up here, I'm loved. And that over time, they realize that that's not just any ordinary love, but that is the love of God being shown through us as we entrust the gospel to the next generation. I want that for my own kids here to grow up in a place where they hear about grace and God's love and where they see the same faces week to week because there are people that are committed to investing the gospel and entrusting the gospel in their own lives. Not just me, but other people that God raises up. And I want that to be true for the rest of our kids and for the vacationers that show up, you know, one week out of the year that they would be here and they'd hear the gospel and a seed might be planted Not because they hear me or Ben or Todd, but because they spend an hour sitting with one of you back in Island Kids, and they get to have a conversation with you, and they sense the love of God and the care, and in a small way, the gospel gets entrusted to them. Guys, we have everything we need to do that, to be that, but we've got to start to be passionate about it. We have to be stirred up as a people to have that sense of mission and to have that sense of desire to understand what God's heart is and for it to be our heart too. A heart to entrust the gospel to the next generation. And so like we mentioned earlier, that's what tonight's about, guys. We've got our next-gen ministry volunteer orientation going on right across the parking lot in the community center from 5 to 7 And there's just going to be an opportunity to talk about what are the ways that we have right here and right now that we can all jump in to start to be a part of that. There's free food. There's free child care. The important stuff's taken care of over there, right? And so it's just an opportunity to hear more. It doesn't commit you to anything, but it's just one way you can take a step of faith and see, is God leading me in this direction? And he might not be. He might be leading you to entrust the gospel with adults, to lead a group, or to be a part of something else to serve in a different way. But we know how important the next generation is. And we know that all of us, in one shape, form, or fashion, way, another, whatever it is, are called to entrust the gospel. And so I want to challenge you to explore if that might be the place that God's leading you and to just come and check it out tonight to be a part. Because God is calling us into something big to be a part of his story and trusting the gospel to the next generation. And his spirit and his power and his energy and his wisdom will equip us to do it, but we've got to step out in obedience to follow him, to be willing to care for the next generation. Because guys, there are a lot of people that are concerned about the next generation. But how are we going to show them that we care about them? That we love them with the love that God has for them? 
That's what we're called to do. We're called to entrust the gospel. And so would you pray with me that that happens right here in this time, in this place with all of us. Father, right now I lift up our church. I lift up these people. I lift up, God, our children and our students on this island. And I pray that you would lead us all to be a part of your mission to entrust the gospel God, would you turn us from the distractions and things that pull us away, our own desires for our careers and safety and happiness and those things, and help us to realize what's truly important to become passionate about what you're passionate about. God, your fame, your glory, your name, seeing people redeemed and rescued and saved by the gospel because of what you did. God, would you make us a people that are passionate about it, a people that are willing to step out in faith and obedience. Lord, I pray that for any of us, God, that haven't felt like we're the person to do that, like we have the skills necessary. God, would you help us to turn our focus to you, to put our faith in you? That, God, it's your name, it's your fame on the line. It's not ours. And you have promised to show up and to equip us with everything we need to serve you. And so, Lord, would you lead us to do that? Would you lead us to be that people? God, would you make this a place where we see children and students come to know you and the gospel, God, that they'd be saved by grace? And so, Lord, would you lead us to be a people on mission, to be a people passionate about entrusting the gospel to the next generation, Lord? We love you. We need you to do that. We ask you all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.